clear. We are the weirdos. I am God. What? I tried to warn her. Welcome back to the Ox Tyrion podcast, the podcast where we seek to canonize horror cinema of the millennium era. And it is I, your host, Jordan Cruciola, along with... Sam Weinman. Hello, Sam. Welcome back for for this most special installment of Ox Tyrion. This is a very special installment. Because we have... And I, you know, I don't like to kill a lot of time before we, we unveil... The surprise. Why we, do people do that? I don't know. Like it's just somebody I sitting there that. for fucking fifteen minutes before they actually get to speak. Whereas just nodding. We have a very special guest with us today, and very special guest. Would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners? Hi everyone. I am Gemma Moore. And, and what what here. might we what might we know you from, Gemma Moore? Oh, well, uh, this film called Host that is sort of your <laughs> Zoom terror nightmares if you don't already have that with your boss. <laughs> yes, the, the um, very, very justifiably well-received fucking scary movie <laughs> host that is uh, playing on Shudder. And I highly recommend it to anyone who would listen to this podcast because theoretically you're somebody who likes scary movies. Uh, it is Can an you imagine excellent... listening to this podcast and not liking scary movies? <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Or maybe maybe you're one of those Wikipedia people who loves to read the summaries about the horror movies because you can't actually handle watching them. Maybe we are perfect for that audience, too. But Gemma, I have to say that. you are my favorite part of my favorite horror movie of 2020. So having you here is such a pleasure. I know you didn't want to be embarrassed but <laughs> i have to tell you because it is caveat, caveat, it is caveat. what you do with that character mm-hmm. that as a queer person just draws me right the fuck in and i cannot wait to root for well i'm not going to say anything in case people haven't seen it <laughs> but i love what you did so thank you guys thank you for joining us yes, and i love no. you both like we've just become a trio that we didn't we didn't know the world needed we didn't you guys who are listening didn't know you needed <laughs> our album's coming out in a month's time and that like it's really all with sam. Paris sam's next album will be coming out in about two months months and a it's half just time. covers of paris hilton <laughs> that's our really? album it's just like, yeah I'm christmas actually, versions i'm Jordan. actually shot the i'm actually shot the aughts crossover pop star cover album hasn't come out from you yet sam your own wake up call by hayden your own stars are blind your own rumors mm-hmm. it's really hard for me to break out of my christmas music shell right you know i feel like i've really written myself into a corner on this one <laughs> but I, but it's a corner i love and i'm very comfortable in yes do yes. you guys ever have um nicole kidman and robbie williams um then I go and spoil it all by saying something stupid like I love you. Did you ever listen to that? No. Okay, I'm going to send you that. I don't know if that's really British, but that was a song that I listened to the other day, even though it's not Christmas yet, and it's the best. It's one of the best Christmas things I've ever... Okay. Well, it's getting... Is it on Robbie Williams' like double-decker Christmas album, or is this new? Oh, it has to be. has to be. Because okay. it's he did Kylie with Kylie Minogue, he did Kids, and then he, and then he did Nicole Kidman, and and then he sang. And, uh, what's it called? Then I go and spoil it all by saying something stupid that I love you. It's so good. I I'll send it that, to you. that so song is absolutely now going to play underneath this conversation as we talk about it. <laughs> that song is now going to be featured on this episode of Odds. It's so intimate too. It's so intimate. Now it's I think so it, I think an important thing to establish going into this. Um, as we get into to your pick for this episode, Gemma, 
mm-hmm. is your life with horror is is just beginning from what I'm gathering. Yes, I am. So I I used to be so scared of horror, although I've actually thinking about it. I've watched lots of horror. Mm-hmm. It's just I've, I think I emotionally shut down. Sure. after it every every, every time because i'm mm-hmm. my imagination would just go so wild which by the way i had a wild horror dream last night and then i and then i what's it called when you um you know that you're dreaming and then you can wake yourself up oh like lucid. a lucid, then, de- lucid yeah, dream so then i lucid dream anyway so i and i was it was because i was thinking of horror films trailers that i'd watch i'd watch like a whole thing of horror film trailers and so oh, that's great. what happened last night but that you guys don't need to know that um <laughs> But yeah, so I'm a baby to horror in the fact that I'm re-watching things and I'm looking at things now with a more mature mm. outlook, not thinking that I was... Because my mum's quite superstitious, so she used to be like, you can't watch horror. And okay. then she would be like, these things could come real. So I was like, oh my God. So as a child, I've always been like, what? And watching some, <laughs> some stuff being like, okay, this could be real. This couldn't be real, but I'll find out in two weeks time. And so, so yeah, so now I'm, I'm re-watching things. And what did I watch the other day? Hell, Hellraiser. Yeah, yeah I think I watched the, that. The first one? Yes. And okay. then I've watched um, Slime. Is it Slimer? There's such a long name. Slimer Bolorama. Oh, this Babes at the Slime Ball Bolorama. Yeah, which is very offensive, but it's yes. fine. We got through that. And then um, the All Cheerleaders Must the slime Die. Ball Bolorama, I think. Yes. And then All Cheerleaders Must Die. Yes. Oh, boy, you Jordan. hit on a real favorite that, there for me. That, <laughs> here we go. That was like. That makes me more like what, like what, like just like certain things made me feel a bit vomit. Um, and then horror classic, all cheerleaders die. It's so great. It's what? When was when did that come out? Because that's twenty thirteen. Yeah, felt really like new. Yeah, and then. And then going back through other bits and bobs and, and then Candyman's on my list, but I started watching it and then I freaked myself out because everyone was like, you're going to love this, it's so scary. And then so I'd stop it being like, no, I can't. And then so I've actually started it four times and not got <laughs> oh. through it yet because I live near where it's set. So I'm like, no, I can't. It's like when I watched Luther and I was like, I can't be in London anymore. I've got to move out. <laughs> I just can't do it. It's too scary. I can't be in London anymore. That's it. Yeah, now, that's it. Gemma, you... do you believe in ghosts? Oh yeah. Like, is that? Yeah. Do you know what I've had? I think I've had an experience with a ghost. Okay. Part I, one my of jaw's it was on during, the floor through hosts, <laughs> and then one was with my dog because my my bath. I woke up with my bath tap running, and my dog was in up on the floor that it had never been on before. And I lived in an old mill house that had that had broken down and there would have been like some horrific deaths there. that sounds actually, really fucking haunted <laughs> it's it's i think it was and 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 my dog had all its heckles up at like you know early hours of the morning and the bathtub was just running oh god oh god but i don't want I, to think about it too much <laughs> i can't blame you like no i i like as long as i've been watching these movies and it, as it, i love them so i'm not desensitized to them like when I watch these things where, where like I'm watching I'm really susceptible to found footage so like watching like the paranormal I think it was paranormal normal 2 when the woman is in the kitchen and all of the doors suddenly explode open on all of her cabinets I uh. I my mind I start spiraling because I'm like what would you fucking do oh my god how do you even live at like how do you reconcile what is going on right like there's your moment before all of the cabinets in your kitchen explode open in front of you and then there's the rest of your life after you are not the fucking same after something like well, that 
And that means a haunted house is going to be way less fun in the future. You know? Yeah. It really just kind of... How do you top that? All your, all your cabinets <laughs> fly open? Well, I, I, I don't go to haunted houses. Like... I don't do haunts. Oh, really? What? Hard no. Won't do it. So, what? Too, okay, what's the difference between scary. a haunted house and then I was doing for a podcast episode on my podcast as a hobby, which I actually realized was really problematic the more I researched into it. Is McCainy's Man... Is it McCainy's Manor? Yeah. Because that's think... like... That's like torture... Whereas the horror, oh, like yeah, one yeah. of those like extreme haunts. Yeah, no, yeah. this is like you sign a th- uh, thirty yeah. page waiver. They, they get like yeah, they get like lumped into the haunts category, but it's just like it's just simulated, which burgeons into actual torture. Um, yeah, it, it like started like... as a haunt, and it just became like a t- like a truly tourism experience in being tortured. And but like I, I that that's like that's like opting into like an interesting satanic like fulfillment yeah. of i don't know pleasure or 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 adventure but in in like a traditional haunts realm i don't i don't like the scares to be three-dimensional like universal horror nights never been not gonna go like don't, i don't, don't want to be touched i don't want grabbed. things jumping out at me because like i get i in my fight or flight response in those situations it's not <laughs> a, it's not a flight response so like i start feeling really confrontational with the haunters <laughs> and what are you saying what are you saying do you get like, really I, like I, I, yeah, come at me, come at me yeah? their job to try and back me down and i like won't and it's like i'm not participating in this in a way that is helpful for you trying to do your job <laughs> or enjoyable for me as a patron who can't get out of this till i get to the fucking end of it so like it's just best that i don't go I won't even go in a corn maze. Like, I don't like experiential <laughs> autumn spooky things. Corn mazes. Oh. I really want to go to a corn maze. <laughs> I think they're so brilliant. The it's idea, a great idea. Because also the idea of someone coming out of the... So the idea that you think you're in a walled situation, but then also the idea of someone coming out of the corn Fucking... is just so scary. It's terrifying. I love a contained scary like that's why i like haunts because then i'm like okay i can go in here and allow myself to be scared and then i can leave and be fine what i don't like is putting on host at 1 a.m not knowing it's the scariest film of 2020 (laughs) with my door open and the black of night outside of it and needing to as a 35 year old man go through the house and turn on all the lights yeah Yes, it was a, like that movies. was a they terrify that me. was a screaming well, fuck you at the movie movie like with the when the the little floaty face oh, thing that was yep. a that was a screaming Sweet anger Alice. at the movie for doing that to me this mm. goes kind of like with your family or what your uh yeah what your mom told you but i just feel like sometimes if i watch a movie too late at night i will invite like real ghosts yeah that's we're opening a door. that's like a weird we're, we're i don't know where that comes from but yeah yeah like because like the okay there's like a i could there's like a ghost in my house doing the dishes i know that sounds weird but like that's amazing the last two <laughs> nights i've heard somebody walk through the living room and then i hear the clinking of my dishes in the sink and i go jules yeah that's my roommate i was gonna say jules is, isn't nothing. home turn on the lights her door is shut and there's nobody there. This has been two nights in a row. So Fuck I just that, shut man. the door and I just don't watch horror after like 11. Curfew <laughs> <laughs> horror. Curfew like, like, the sexiest okay, kind of horror. <laughs> <laughs> At least finish 
the dishes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you're going to go to all that trouble, yeah. be yeah. useful. Yeah. It, like, don't, don't, like, there, let there be I'd some like payoff that. for what I'm experiencing right now. Yeah, can you order them like on a like a like a like a sort of? <laughs> can you order a ghost or yeah. a certain thing? <laughs> like a task rabbit like, ghost. Yeah, yeah, task rabbit Is there ghost. A candle you can light to invite a certain kind of ghost, like maybe a more productive one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'll be a vanilla chai <laughs> candle. It is a pumpkin candle. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Now uh, that we we should have you uh, introduce the film you've chosen for today, Gemma, a, a roundly, I, I, a widely agreed upon uh, classic. I would I would like to believe. Uh, tell us what we are here to discuss today and why you have chosen this particular film. So um, I've chosen. You said millennial, but I've gone a little. I've creeped a little bit before. Yeah, no, I've, I've, I've chosen... allowed for. I, I consider the millennium era that we're discussing here to be like uh, the scream era beginning, which is 1996, which is when this when this movie came out as well, going through to like a hangover period that extends a little beyond 2010. So it's a soft millennial definition. Mm, okay, so I have chosen the 1996. Uh, it's called a supernatural horror. Yeah, um, and that is. The craft, the 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 craft, the the landmark of our age, the craft. Mm -hmm. Watch out for those weirdos. <laughs> we are the weirdos, Mister. And the and craft. and what was it that resonated with you so much as to wish to put this in the canon of films that we are creating here? It. Do you know what? It was the film that I watched when I was at secondary school, which is, I guess, high school for you guys. How I old think? were you? Yeah, 12, 13, 12. Yeah, that'd be high middle school. Middle school. Middle school. Oh, yeah, that would be middle school. Yeah. So we have like primary school up <clears throat> until we're 12, 13, and then we go on to secondary school until we're 18, and then we go to university. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, so, okay. so I was. We throw yeah. a little third option. That's yeah, yeah. We have the um, middle. We have the middle school. <laughs> Well, it makes it makes sense. We yeah, we just we just like with we have a ridiculous school system. Anyway, that's another <laughs> conversation. But I chose this because I I was at boarding school, and I'd watched it, and I just never fit in with the Jack Quills Abercrombie crowd. Mm, okay, okay. Um, which is ironic because I worked there when I came to London. But <laughs> I <laughs> girls got to eat. Um, and then I loved it because of the out cast out the like okay, like making outcast like the outcast in yeah you can't see my fingers here doing the comment the inverted commas are these things flying air quotes. quotes the air quotes air quotes um the cool the cool kids and the kids yeah. that actually were in control and actually knew what they were talking about and mm -hmm. i think i just really resonated with that and also i used to love I used to, even at primary school, when I was like really young, I was obsessed with Charmed and I would go oh. through doorways going <clears throat> shield, like crossing my arms over. <laughs> and then, so I was just like, I need to find a, a, like a group of girls who are like this. And I found a few friends in boarding school that were a, like that. A coven of your own, a coven of your own. Yes, a coven of my own. <laughs> and and so, so it, it just, I loved it because it was just all of those things combined in one. And a lot of, the stuff that, you know, like rebelling, but rebelling because they didn't like these rigid structures, I just thought were just 
it was really fun in a way that you know like how the goonies did it for dudes like yeah yeah <laughs> yeah the craft sort of did that for my sort of who i was at that age yeah like boy little boys going off and have adventures and little girls becoming witches yeah exactly <laughs> that is all i want in the world <laughs> <laughs> No, it, um, and I, I, Sam, what is your, did you have like a first, a first run experience with the craft when you were growing up? Was this like, I saw it in 96, I saw it right on time. Did you come to it later? Um, I saw it on, I, uh, around the time it came out, I was super into Scream. And then I found out that like, it's like, oh wait, Nev Campbell, Campbell. and Ski Ulrich were within, were in something else together. (laughs) Have to watch it, (laughs) watch it, watch it. And then it was like. Marsha Brady is in this. Oh so my god! My mind was blown. Melanie from like, Melanie from Hey Dude. It was. If you were that kind of child, which I was. It's a little wild and a little strange. <laughs> yeah. yeah, girl, I was that kind of child. Yes. <laughs> Coming on my Christmas that album. Was a, that was a first. <laughs> that was definitely a, a an early crush. That was a Christine Taylor was a very important person to for me in that regard. Which made so much sense I, that she became Marsha fucking Brady. And then to subvert that by having her be the worst person the worst ever. Yeah. Racist bitch. Oh my god. Like the villainy of her character in this movie. Why didn't we get a run of Christine Taylor as villains that we deserved and that she deserved to be allowed to play? It was so well executed. Yep. I, I wish that we had that. Same. But I cut you but off. My my experience with it is um, I definitely, like, believed in magic. Yeah, okay. okay. <laughs> I don't know. So, you know, yeah. so I was, like, watching do. this documentary, The Craft, <clears throat> and I'm like, how do I make this happen <laughs> in my life? And unlike Gemma, I never found those friends. <laughs> but Until I was just, now. like, on the internet trying to find spells. You on MySpace. Did you do it on MySpace? Looking for, <laughs> looking for a this group is, of... Cabin. <laughs> this is like because you know being 35 this is like pre-myspace like me going on like aol yeah this is like finding angel, like fire, like, angel fire like sites going to the public library because we don't have computers in our houses yet <laughs> With a little jordan sigh. how did you come to that <laughs> me yeah oh it was total sleepover horror style it was okay. the like group of you know 11 12 year old friends you know the the real ethos of the light as a feather stiff as a board communal experience and i too uh was uh a disciple of scream and i certainly wasn't into like i knew i loved horror movies at the time but it wasn't so much of my personality the way it is now of course um but it was it was something that i like i was growing increasingly responsive to and i and just Nev Campbell was so much to me. Like <laughs> the and the the never like Scream gets plenty of praise, but never is there actually enough praise um thrown onto Nev Campbell specifically for the nuance and beauty of the performance that she is giving as Sydney Prescott and the vulnerability of her character in this movie, the the fucking burn victim and the yes. sort of the the introversion and the tenderness and fear of her character. Take my scars. Give me beauty outside as well as in. 
I can really pinpoint that to being a sort of awakening in my personality that I was going to be a like hurt comfort person. <laughs> like if I read fic, that would definitely be a tag I would be clicking on would be hurt comfort for sure. <laughs> and knowing that I wanted to be a comfort person for those very sad, scared, probably girls that I would meet throughout my life where I was a sort of like port in a storm. So it like, I remember the first experience of watching this movie being so upset by how ostracized her character was and being mm. so sad for her sadness. It was, it was like upset. Like I wanted to, I remember feeling something akin to like wanting to go through the screen and be like, I'll be your friend and I'll take care of you. It'll be okay. And like with the scene where she is like getting like the scar tissue treatment with her mom there. Yeah. The, the agony and, and, and horror of that scene and Nev's amazing performance where you're getting that close up on her face. It was very like, that was as much like the emotional toll of like, the reality of their their ostracization was very as much formative for me as this as a horror touch point of like oh this is cool and witches and power like i remember like having a lot of feelings throughout the course of watching this movie also the miscommunication between like daughter and mother and that whole thing of like the mum thinks that they're doing the right thing and then the daughter is only going to be there to do what the mum thinks is the right thing, but actually she might not be comfortable with that. And so there's yes. this whole like crossed wires continuously of like, everyone thinks that they're doing what's I think maybe, I don't know, society or what they might think is the right thing, but actually mm -hmm. it's just this really horrible, painful miscommunication. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. no one's actually speaking the truth. And then that is coming at the, like the torture that comes out of that and the pain to watch that is, it makes it even more horrible. Like knowing that her mum's there. Yep. Is it, yep. It is her mum, isn't it? That's gone yeah, with her, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not her like, stepmom. Yeah, no, I think it's. I think that's her. Her biological mother. And I. There was just such a. I feel like this was. I feel like the craft was for the the generation that it arrived for. It was that quintessential outsider story of our era. Mm. Like I think it put the finger on the '90s disaffected, aspirational vampirism aesthetic goth sensibility like i feel like this was a pivotal film in launching goth into the mainstream as like mm. something you could buy at hot topic in the like where it would become like a Wait, mass hot topic hot, hot topic, topic is a store uh here in the states that was very big around like the 90s 2000s that was like a one-stop shop for your like emo goth mass <sighs> cult items like you there of course there. there I it, would buy like a spiky bracelet my uh, blue hair dye and a horror movie t-shirt in one spot yeah and did if, you get netted gloves as well exactly if you yes. if yes. you wanted to dress like you were in the matrix you went to <laughs> hot topic those you, boots this the boots the, with the, the huge platform the, with the huge leather and the big buckles yeah leather platforms spikes accessories for your very gelled spiky hair okay. Um, again, pleather, can't say that enough. Like, it, it was, and, like, a very, very much, like, um, kind of adhering to, like, making Tim Burton ravey. Like, uh, taking the Tim yeah. Burton pop culture gossip. Because, like, they had a ton of, like, night, and they might still, if they're still around, have a ton of Nightmare Before Christmas stuff. Like, that accessible goth was their 
accessible goth and like low-key rave i feel like all mashed I together i've never been to a rave but my no. pants didn't know that no yeah your uh. you know? your flame shirt button up might not have known that oh my god i feel called out right now <laughs> <laughs> okay so yeah that hot topic aesthetic yeah i i, I think this was really i think this pulled this incorporate because like grunge and that sort of intensity and that cynicism and that sadness was about to be phasing out in favor of a more high gloss sensibility that was about to come with the new boom of boy bands and girl pop stars mm-hmm. in the early in the late eight late nineties early two thousands. So you're going from the sound de rigueur being something like you know. Um, Pearl Jam and Nirvana into where the the biggest the biggest acts of the day are going to be Backstreet Boys and they're going to be Britney Spears and there is a degree of polish that is going to enter the conversation so you look at this and it's it's like grunge light like the the kind of the styling and aesthetic of these girls in this it's not so like holes in the sweaters possible major drug addiction living in a hovel style that you would see in like the sort of true grunge mosh pit circle it's an accessible level of that. Like, Nancy, Feruza Bulk's Nancy makes being a witch look fucking flawless. This is the, like, material girl Madonna-infused version of witch goth. And it takes it out of something kind of, like, earthy and downbeat and makes it glossy and pleather and hot hot topic. So I think you're, this, this movie exists at such a fascinating cultural point between the grunge era fading out, which is, like, stepping all over and just shitting all over the legacy of hair metal that came before it and feeding us right into a phase of... of hot sexy ensemble casts like we're going to get because this is a cast of babes the craft is a cast of fucking babes and that we're gonna Mm -hmm. see in scream that we're gonna see and i know you did last summer that we're gonna see in valentine and any movie kevin williams yeah jawbreaker the faculty any movie kevin williamson wrote teaching mrs tingle it's this bridge time right before we're gonna start getting like cool goth after coming out of like sad grunge and we're we're just about we're at a cultural precipice and i think that is a fascinating time for the outcast to be rendered such that they are in the craft and it's amazing that so the producer douglas wick i mean he came from things like gladiator right Mm. and and then he but he found this and he was like i want to i want to take this and i want to make it into something that changes the sort of status quo Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and 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 it was just such a random... And I think it did. I think it's... Yeah, and I think it's such a random person to have just taken <laughs> it. And then he, like, hired his team around that, uh-huh. you know. And I think, was it the director? Oh, he's the director again. Um, Andrew Fleming. He did, like, Arrested Development. So, like, the people that put, were behind this is just sort of, like, such a wild accumulation of people to then make something that, like you said, changes everything and where and where sort of this... Horror light. Horror light? No, goth light. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Sam, you look like you had a rejoinder point when I was, was talking. Well, this is, I didn't like it when it came out. Interesting. And I wanted to, sh- no, I wanted I to out to myself. I'm, I'm love to hear this. Because uh. as a horror fan, I should have, right? Like, this is a movie that should speak to me on all levels. Mm-hmm. I like the magic part of it. Like, mm-hmm. that I was into. Obviously, told you that. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I think that when it comes to... I identified with all of 
the women in this movie. Mm -hmm. I just felt like I was all of them except for Nancy. Now, while I was like following Nancy and I was like, yes, bitch. Yeah. Okay, let's do this. I identified with Nev Campbell's character. I identified with Rachel True's character. Mm -hmm. And to see the three of them become villains was not Mm. something I liked because Mm. the boring white girl is the one who is the hero. Totally. So when I watched it at the time, it did not speak to me. That's valid, though. No, yeah. True. No, I think that that is is an excellent thing to interrogate for this. I I wanted the movie to end... Like, for me, I love their bus trip. <laughs> yes. We are the weirdos, mister. We are the weirdos, like, mister. Who doesn't love a witchcraft field trip? Yeah. You know, like, let's do it. I drink of my sisters, and I ask for the ability to not hate those who hate me, especially racist pieces of bleach blonde shit like Laura Lizzie. I, but when <laughs> things... It felt like seeing all of them turn was was something I wasn't a fan of. And that doesn't mm. mean it's bad writing. It mm. was just, mm. as a kid, I was, like, really strongly identifying with people who were other. Uh-huh. And that's where I saw myself. And I think yeah. what, what I, I think what, because I totally, I see, I this is totally valid, and I completely hear you. And I think I'm somebody who would be very susceptible to that kind of read, too. And I think that what, I think the, the resolution of the movie where those girls it's like they're it's like they get kind of a slap on the wrist and they are they they are not driven to madness and um imprisonment <laughs> in the way that Nancy is like Bonnie and Rochelle like i i love i truly actually love the very ending of this movie when like Robin Tooney, Sarah has basically ascended to being the supreme of the craft universe. She mm-hmm. is, she is their grand high witch, and they like go to her house and like it's kind of it's you know they have their friend breakup, and then there's the awkward like hey how's it going, and they're like so if you ever want to just hang out and chant or or call the corners, maybe hold your breath until I call. Casualness with which it uses like the witchcraft colloquialism in that moment is just such a great like it's just such a great moment of comedy to me. Like if you ever get to order like call the corners, like yes, we have normalized so much the vernacular that exists between these women. We're just gonna casually throw that out like it's like getting a milkshake or going to get fries sometime. <laughs> and I, well, I didn't, didn't they it's have such a, a Wiccan moment? Didn't they have an actual Wiccan on set? So they had I, like a. Is that what? what your research has 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 that turned up, Joe? Fantastic. Yeah. So they had um this woman, um called Pat Devin, Divine Devin, no okay. on the end. So she was an on-set advisor for the film, um, oh. and she would write all the incantations for them. Oh, um, and wow. then sort of, but she was there, and she was hired to make sure that like anything on the Wiccan subject was to be respected. Wow. So like anything, and she was like constantly there, and also it was I think Na- Nancy Downs's character. So it wasn't sorry, the actress. For, is it Feruza Bolk? Feruza Bolk. Yes, Feruza yeah. Bolk. She was actually into paganism before. Before, that makes, so that then makes so she, much sense. her, and Pat Devin got on really, really well, and that's why. So I think right from the very start, from casting, they had a. And she was actually, so it's in my research, Devin (laughs) is a member of one of the largest and oldest Wiccan religious organizations in the United States called the Covenant of the Goddess. So if you guys want to join, (laughs) now's the time. (laughs) Um, 
And at the time, apparently, she was the first officer of the group's Southern Californian local council. Wow. So she was huge. And she said that, you know, they literally took every, pretty much most of her, like, sort of suggestions. Uh, like, a few things were lost, but that, I think that was more creative, but most of them were kept. I think this is so important because, and I think this, 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 like, this contributes to the case of canonization for me. Because I think a really, thinking about it now, which is absolutely not something I would have thought about when I was little, but thinking about it now, and in and, and hearing your reaction to it, Sam, I think one of the things where this movie succeeds the most, and obviously, it, it's clear why, hearing this information, this movie respects the witchcraft. This movie yes. respects the witchcraft, and at no point is the witchcraft the villainy. It is those who would seek to use mm. the dark arts for their own well selfish said. gain. Like, historically, witchcraft is, like, as I understand it, like, it's rooted very much in the earth and the natural world. And the practice of it mm-hmm. is a connection to that natural world and using a knowledge of it to manifest things from and it. And heal. So during Grecian yeah. times, it was like a healing thing. And then when capitalism came in, like, the 1400s, then it became... Uh, a, a thing that like big patriarchal church yeah. religious elders would use when women were coming up to be like oh no you can't have any power of any sort so witchcraft is like oh you may you may take the devil on too much and like so you can't have it yeah yeah and like in the it, it, there's an the I, I really like a more a very modern treat two very modern treatments of witchcraft in movies that I really like but are doing different things but even though they get compared to each other a lot it's obviously the witch where at the end there's a celebration of the power that you come into even though it plays up the sensational sort of dichotomy of good and evil that exists in the conversation around around witchcraft and and women being good and evil as a result what's that like to live deliciously and there's the movie Hagazutsa um by uh an Austrian filmmaker and his stated, like, I, I interviewed him about this and he talked about how, like, my movie gets compared to The Witch a lot, but I actually think it's doing something really different because, like, he's like, I actually hadn't seen The Witch until recently. Like, I, I made the whole movie and I'd never seen it. He's like, but I think what, he's like, you know, it's a beautiful movie, but I think what Robert Eggers does in his, in his putting witchcraft into the focus in that movie is present a very patriarchal view of witchcraft in which it is a binary mm. between good and evil. And it's like choosing sinister empowerment or choosing good, like, um, like acquiescence and subservience. And what he wanted to do with his story was to make something much more nebulous and much more grounded in the earthly roots of the practice of, of witchcraft and Wicca. And he mm. talked about how he didn't want the presence of of a witch or witchcraft in his movie to be something so limited as how men nest like having a manifestation of witchcraft that adheres to how men view witchcraft as evil and therefore the trademark negative things about it would be through a, a filtered lens of how men see women as as agents of good or bad and he wanted to get back to that much more like elemental earth aspect of being connected to the craft and I think mm. hearing this now, like knowing that so much attention was paid to how witchcraft as an overarching reality is presented in this movie, to know that Rochelle and Bonnie had to be punished is not necessarily because they became too powerful or they developed too much agency, but because they abused the sacred knowledge. They abused the tradition of witchcraft for which... Yeah, fuck, fuck them up for that. Like that, you've disrespected the craft and you shall now be punished. Yeah, it's he, he gave me power. <laughs> he let, I can do whatever I want. 
I'm into mm. it. I'm into it. If I may. Yes, please. Yes. My voice, first of all, should be the smallest in this conversation because I am just I tired of men talking about witches. Sure. I just want women to talk about witches just in general. <laughs> um, I, and I know that we disagree about this movie, Jordan, but The Wretched, mm. my boyfriend and I walked away going, right. all women are witches was our end joke because it's just like, mm-hmm. and then I started to see that every movie written by a dude, it's like all the women in the movie are witches and this is not a good thing, right? <laughs> right. And it's like, but not in the craft. The craft, it's like, like you said, it's it's about the power and the way that you use it. Mm-hmm. And I want to say that as an adult watching it, I really connected with it. Okay, And seeing this upon a rewatch very much felt like my own experiences with queer identity mm-hmm. and wanting to be a part of something mm-hmm. and having – coming up against, yeah, sometimes infighting mm-hmm. or sometimes uh, – maybe doing things in a different way, but we're all kind of on the same team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, maybe I just wasn't in a place as a kid where I had that experience, but now I'm like, oh, cool. The craft is queer horror. (laughs) (laughs) And this is my life. And okay, cool. So like, I am here for it. And I have come around, and that's where I see myself now. Uh huh. If that ex- if the exact, I know we have the craft legacy coming out, but I'm just saying, if we dropped the craft 1996 into 2020, you know, of course, this is a very me thing to say, but I certainly hope that Bonnie would come into her like her physical pride and confidence, having shed her scars that she was so so inhibited, so bound to, bound by. Uh, I hope they would let Bonnie be lesbian or bisexual. Like, I hope Bonnie would just be tearing a fucking hole through that school with women and men, chase boys and girls chasing after her and her just leaving a trail of fucking <laughs> broken hearts behind her because she's like, I am here. I am fucking sexy. And the sexiness is me believing in that, not necessarily the reality of my physical self, but me being comfortable in it. And none of you bitches stand a chance. Sorry, my pedicure ran late. (laughs) Up on me. Holy shit. Hi, Bonnie. Uh, How's it going? (laughs) Yeah, how's it going, Bonnie? My God. The the Mm -hmm. reveal the reveal of of Bonnie in class that day, although it is unfortunate that like her self-improvement is linked to like her her actual like physical being and that it has to be that change to make her feel better about herself the reveal of her coming into her confidence and just taking that jacket off in class and watching all those boys just start losing their mind around her the level of turn on from that (laughs) processing in my like 11 12 year old brain being like oh a lot of feelings around this character right now and it's responding so much (laughs) to her fucking radiant confidence never Nev has it like that. <laughs> Nev Campbell, retroactive Oscar for Nev Campbell for the 90s. For the 90s. Agreed. <laughs> I mean, this is the year to do that. <laughs> I'll campaign. Right? I'll start campaigning. I mean. Gemma, I want to hear about, <laughs> like, like I want to talk light as a feather stiff as a board. Just yeah. being real. Like, that's in this movie. Jordan, you dropped it. Gemma, yep. you've talked about like yeah. I we've all done it, right? We've all too. done it, right? Oh yeah, we've yeah. all done Never it. Never successfully okay. tried it multiple Hi, times. Hi, I'm Gemma. I'm uh, <laughs> I'm not a witch, but I've done light as a feather stiff as a board. Uh, <laughs> uh, and since then, I'm now 
I think 10, no longer than that, almost 20, no, not 20, yeah, near 20 years, near 20, no, near 10 years since I've last done it. Actually, no, I did it like a year ago because I was like, oh, okay. did I? Because it feels like it works when you do it. Yeah. <laughs> and I when I did it the first time, I was this. like, we're doing it, guys. Also, the thing where you lift your arm up and then you dig a grave under your arm and yep. then you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Oh, did that many times. Gemma, did your light as a feather stiff as a board work? Mine didn't. Jordan's didn't. Ours, I'm curious ours did. Yours. Ours did. How and it was so, go? like, to this. What? Stop like it. Above what? our heads. Her hands, for the record, her hands are I don't know if we head. were, like, super strong, like, <laughs> super so- strong, like, children. But, like, <laughs> it definitely, like... <laughs> Maybe that wow. we didn't realize. Maybe it was like a whole mutant, like kids of like really strong children, like wow. an academy of. There is a science behind this, and that defies it. This is why. <laughs> okay. So they say okay. that if all people, like, so say you have four people lifting a body, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you're doing it at the same time. If you can time it, like on the count of three, one, two, three, we all go. That would evenly distribute the weight four ways and that and the command of light as feather but stiff as a board yeah subconsciously would get that person stiff enough right like all of this have happens but it is under the condition that it would happen at the same time right and it also followed up in the same article i read that it said that in our that it is not it would not be possible for it to go up high uh-huh. like people say like up to you up to like the point of your shoulder or anything and it's like yep okay yeah, so you're magic. Yeah, so you, yeah, so you carried out a magical it? ritual. Magic. magic. You guys, you're magic. How did you go You're a natural it? witch. I just yeah. learned about that. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> so I apologize for derailing the craft completely. No. That is my bad. A sleepover, a sleepover digression. A sleepover digression is very important. And I think we, I think... An important part of this movie to discuss as well is the fact that, you know, as an overwhelmingly, you know, cinema overwhelmingly white, uh, horror cinema overwhelmingly white, and as Rachel True has been very above board about, that she was, you know, in in Horror Noir, she discusses the, like, art of playing the black friend, where it's like the, mm-hmm. her job being, her job in movies being responding to the white character saying, like, I'm, I'm the friend, so I'm going to say, are you okay? Oh, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? Yeah. I mean, six million different ways to Sunday. I have to figure out a million different line readings for this same line because whatever thing is going on, it's not about the black people or what we're going through. It's are you white person in peril okay? What's there's what's the series that's just come out that's really, really good and a load of articles. Oh, oh love is it Lovecraft po- Country? Yes, and yeah. a load of a load of articles came out being like, "This is groundbreaking," and you're like, "We're in 2020, like, yeah, what? like this shouldn't even be like it should just be like," and and it's annoying because it, that always overtakes the actual commentary on the cre- the creative side of things mm-hmm. rather, and it's just yeah, but I mean, in 1996. I can't think I can't think of anything before that that was really centered around the bullying in school. Uh-huh. Especially. Well, and, and bullying in a way that it created a sort of moral referendum around it 
where mm. there like there was obviously a lot of bullying in movies in the 80s and like the 70s and horror movies movies like Carrie and like slasher movies it was very mm-hmm. you know a, a lot of there was kind of the casual but cruelty but like it there was um in the way that like we're normally accustomed to seeing the sin hunters weed those people out like a supernaturally charged Carrie murdering an entire high school gym super killers like Freddie and Jason mowing people down with their like sin whacking axes and chainsaws and knives and what have you. And then in this one, it was a collective group of girls who had been ostracized getting their shot at balancing the scales. And in the end, not all of them pay penance. Like there's they, Bonnie and Rochelle have a f- bad fucking night in the climax of the movie. And Feruza pays <laughs> yeah. the ultimate price for her like hubris in abusing, in abusing the, 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 the magic that she has, has come to have an uncomfortable mastery of. Um, but really, you can there- choose that reading, or you could just think maybe she's being punished for having the best mouth. Maybe I can't look anywhere yeah. else when she's performing. No. no, what she is so magnetic in just the way that she moves her face. Sorry, Feruza, I know you're being serious. No, I just is a singular screen presence, mm-hmm. and that's just the reality of it. You don't even exist to me. You don't even exist. You are nothing. You. Oh shit. You don't exist. The only way you know how to treat women is by treating them like whores when you're the whore. And that's gonna stop. Do you understand? You understand what I'm saying? But um I, I think yeah, I think they're like the fact that the the fact that the characters who administer like witch justice in this movie don't end up dead or banished or end up really being the ones punished for for the things that they've done to you kind of get the sense that the people who had what happened to them deserved it you did it no i didn't do it yeah you did i helped you totally did it come on you made chris love you you own him you made laura lizzie's hair fall out you guys should see her she has to wear a hat every day now (laughs) poor laura um, where you have Skeet Ulrich's character dies, Laura Lizzie gets, like, gets the, has, is in a wig by the end of the movie because Rochelle, like, strips her luscious golden mane from her. Yes. In, 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 in an incredible sequence of comeuppance that is a very effective piece of body horror as well. Christine Taylor's character, Laura Lizzie, is a virulent racist. Like, she, she tells... In, in 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 very racist terms tells Rochelle that she doesn't like black people and that's why she hates her because she gets confronted she's like what is your problem with me why do you hate me and she's like do you want to be honest I don't like black people using different language and so the comeuppance that she gets is like this this thing she's so proud of that that Laura really really takes so much pride in in herself with her hair and this symbol of like her blonde white supremacy watching it like be pulled from her head in stringy wet clumps in the shower like that's an incredibly evocative image i I think it's the best part of the movie like i mean i love the whole movie but like that is the most memorable part for me because i just really and maybe this comes from being like a queer kid who got bullied Mm -hmm. you know for being queer before i knew i was queer and it's like watching rochelle be able to take that 
to be able to get revenge in such a meaningful way. Yeah. It that's why it's like okay, and that 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 does put it fairly like okay, she had a bad night, but like let's <laughs> but like that other character definitely got what she deserved. And yes, I was happy to see it. Yes, you are. <laughs> you're no, it, it kind of like even watching it then and watching it now, like Skeet Ulrich's character is like like Chris Hooker. He's a he's a sexual predator. Like you uh-huh. you see the things that yeah. happen to the bad to the to the bad people in this, and they're not after the fact redeemed. Like the the girls have got go too far as a collective at a certain point, and you know what you do will be revisited upon you like threefold. But that is just sort of like the equation of the the witchcraft in general. It is not to do with them specifically and the way they've transgressed with that magic. It's just the sort of law of the land. But like the people who get their payback in this, the 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 return on their exacting dark magic is not that they like lose their lives. One of them suffers greatly. And that's Nancy because she's gone the furthest off. She's, she's gone the furthest afield, but the rest of them turns out. Okay. And Robin Tooney's character, Sarah, like maintains this great power. And so they make out really pretty well in the end. And the things that they've done to like strike down their enemies are basically rewarded overall. And that is a pretty fascinating assertion to make in, like, 1996 with teenage girls. I mean, even Carrie gets fucked in the end. Her mom's hand pokes out of the grave and Mrs. White grabs her. Like, she doesn't get away despite the fact that those kids had it coming. Jordan. In the 90s, we said fucking witch justice. But are these things that happen, it's like, like you're talking about, Sam, with that revenge of, like, you're not, you don't want to hurt someone. You want to push someone so far that they feel empathy yeah yeah it's not yes. it's not that like oh i'm gonna hurt you and you're gonna feel pain and i, I just want revenge it's yeah. like <laughs> i i'm i'm gonna push you to the point that you're feeling so small like you've made me feel this small yeah therefore yes. you actually do something about it so it's like an almost like a lesson rather than like a a, a torture or like a you know to be cruel in in a, in a way well yeah. it is cruel but it's also it's bringing them to a level that they've made someone else feel yeah exactly and i think that speaks louder than words in some ways which is why and we i keep coming back to it but i do think that that is such a just and fitting moment something also to keep in mind is um is as a black character in a horror film you know horror noir gets into it a lot and i highly recommend that i would also recommend there's an article um a quick history of black queer characters by marco estes where he talks about Mm. um black queer characters not that Rochelle is queer but being the only having the burden of being the only person of color in the entire film makes her queer as other Mm -hmm. Um, but he talks about uh, those characters being silent Mm -hmm. Um, and just not you know when we think about like Belle in Fright Night 2 or we think about uh, Katrina in Vamp or you know it's just so easy to not give somebody uh, a voice Mm -hmm. when they are black in a primarily white film and Mm -hmm. this I felt watching the Mm -hmm. beginning with Rochelle I was feeling like that and when you talk about like the black friend and that kind of thing I do think that the actions of that moment at least come back and give her I think the loudest the loudest moment I would argue out of all of the magic I I agree yeah I agree Mm -hmm. well and yeah I highly recommend that read by the way yeah no that thank you for (laughs) shouting that out and so with you know with the ground that we've covered here what to each of you I ask, what why is why is the craft 
deserving of Austerion status. I mean, we've already acknowledged that it is, but what would be your what would be your parting what would be your summation thoughts on this movie's role in in the canon? Well, it didn't get a very good when it first came out, didn't it? It didn't get a very good sort of reception. Yeah, it it it's certainly like it, it's um emotional appeal to the sort of target audience of like you know young girl outside young girls and outsiders what existed disparate distant not existed commensurate with its critical response but i mean it's 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 it still holds its own so well so like the 14 year old girl that i nanny she you know she turns up and she's got like bottle caps in her ears and she's got like torn tights and Mm -hmm. dark eye makeup she sounds cool she is so cool (laughs) you know what i caught her and her girlfriend having a when they when they first were allowed to drink she's even like booze cupboard and i was like guys i can't tell you off because i did this and you know i've definitely done this (laughs) right and i was like but can you do it when your parents are around right yeah like but this is me getting (laughs) in trouble she loves it yeah, but she loves the she loves the craft, oh, and she's I love really excited that. for the Blumhouse version of oh, it. And good. so it's it stood the test of time in terms of it's really resonating with young people, like young you know young people. Mm-hmm. And but it's it's funny because I was looking on um, the Tomato Meter, and it's like fifty five percent, and it, it's got yeah. all this. <clears throat> it had it's still sort of like I don't know if it's this snobbery around horror, and when like a lot of people. You know, there's like been a lot of stuff coming out recently with St. Maud and and sort of giving. I know that the Guardian in the UK always gives like low low stars to horror, but it, it yeah, I think it, it was the, the fact it that it's Maud particularly that like the Guardian article, the Guardian review that came out about that recently began with somebody like a whole paragraph intro about how they don't like horror and don't take it seriously, and subsequently yeah, their review. But them, actually, it's yeah. very good. It's like oh for fuck's sake, yeah. like, get over yourself, yeah. Like, let me express nothing but derision for this kind of movie. Now, trust me. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's like the epitome of just like the poshest, like, twat wanker that's just in the UK. Like, uh, but the fact that, you know, like, it stood the test of time and it still has, you know, like a 14 year old girl in 2020 will watch it and be like, this is a, I just watched a cult classic this weekend. That for me is just like, I love that that yeah. I can connect to uh-huh. this this young girl and you know in how many years time and what happens if there's another girl that's like 14 and I'm chatting at a dinner table and mm-hmm. we can connect over that I think that is anything that has that effect on generation after generation yeah. I think has has to be like in my top 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 movies of well, all time and I think too that I think that for me it really a big part of it is the the craft is similar to me to the movie The Descent in that just because these two movies did these really strong female ensemble casts really like really well they don't have many peers it's not like The Descent came around yeah. and then there were so many movies like The Descent that followed that formula that told these amazing heroic thrilling women's stories and genre and similarly like The Craft with its following the Descent was a legitimate success for for a small movie like it was. But you have then you have The Craft, which 
it's it's you know cult reputation is out outsized compared to like its critical reception at the time but you have this thing that is so iconic that even despite its success in that way was not replicated in its form because I think you have the dual thing like you were mentioning Gemma of horror and genre being taken less seriously particularly at this time before Scream's about ready to really break things open again and we're reconsidering genre with the new elements that Wes Craven's about to bring into it from a meta, meta commentary sensibility you also have the fact mm. that movies about teen girls are not taken seriously movies mm. about movies about teen girls are behind the starting line there are there are there are movies for there are movies for young people and then there are movies for teen girls specifically because we are considered a niche and i think the re the the truth of the cruelty in this movie that these girls endure and the truth in the cruelty that is visited upon their bullies as a representation of how much people how much that poison makes you want to get back at at those who would harm you in a cruel way and the the way that it plays out with this wonderful women like young girl centered story that deals with issues of racism sexual abuse like the 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 physical the the physical mouth like like pain and hurt of what bonnie goes through as as a burn victim like it takes some like after school special levels of messaging in it but pulls it off mm. in a way that doesn't feel preachy and actually just feels like you i watch that movie now still and i feel like i see representations of the kids i knew who were a bit on the outskirts at the time when i was younger and i'm like i don't know their lived experience because i wasn't there but the way that i perceived their challenge to exist as an outsider does feel accurately mirrored in what I'm seeing in the craft. And I think it still stands alone in what it was trying to accomplish with being a girl story, a horror story, a witch story, a supernatural story in 1996 in a way that we haven't actually mastered doing over and over again yet, simply because like women are in now and we love women's stories. There's still mostly, there's still not many things with a group ensemble female cast like this that are as good as the craft. And so for well, me, was... it's Austerian value is that. The fact that 24 years later, it kind of still stands alone in the potency of what it was able to accomplish. It is not flawless. Mm. There certainly is is more room for, for more and better representation in it and taking, you know, I would love, of course, always to see explicit, implicit queerness taken to an explicit place. Um, but it stared head on into some very ugly things and portrayed them in very unflattering ways that felt like they still honored the material and it wasn't just for the sake of cruelty, which, as me and Sam have discussed multiple times, is a big signature of like those linear aughts, zero to ten, where the cruelty yes. is the point. Sam. Mm. So... I think that was really well said and both of you kind of nailed it. So for me, I'll just say, I mean, I like that the cast, I think it was the beginning of a formula that people tried to take the wrong parts of. Yeah. So Excellent what we point. did begin to see is like, oh, cool. So let's pull from this. Ca like we've got Nev Campbell from TV. We've got, yeah. uh, what's that other, uh, whatever, white girl from TV. I don't know. Her Christine name. Taylor. Like, you know, <laughs> Christine Taylor, Robin uh, Tooney, Feruza Bulk. Robin Tooney. And Rachel True. Right? Yeah. 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 yeah, she was um, in Empire so, Records, wasn't she? Yeah, yeah. She oh, was bold. Oh, she was she yeah. in her screen test she had to wear a wig. She's she's Sinead O Rebellion. Shock me, really shock me with that deviant on... behavior. <laughs> I that didn't white mean girl to disregard TV. her career <laughs> yeah, by being no, like Seminole making it into a comma. star Robin Tooney. <laughs> I, I guess what I mean is it, it just the parts that the parts that others that followed took were mm -hmm. just like the star power or whatever, instead of yes. um, telling an authentic and uh, telling 
telling a small story authentically yeah. so that those elements feel big. And I think the comparison to The Descent was a really good comparison. When I was watching this um, yesterday, uh, so that it, it felt to me, it was so fucking good, you guys. <laughs> it was just like, wow, this is a great film. And not and, and so for me, it's it, it deserves to be Ots on because I didn't used to like it growing up. I don't have some sort of nostalgia that I right, have to feed. Right. And I'm not like, this is a movie for teen girls. And so, you know, as long as they like, if it, I'm not even getting into that argument. I'm just saying, yeah, yeah objectively, it's fucking good. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> so fuck everybody else. This is Ozterion. No, I'm so glad you I'm so glad you do bring that perspective to it of not having that like, oh, my sleepover sensation, warm and squishy feelings that I bring into this. This is something you appraised in a different way later on on value on, on different merits that you were able to assess as an adult filmmaker, f- professional filmmaker, too. So I'm glad I'm very glad that we have somebody who didn't necessarily have that formative, positive feeling about it, because I think that adds the texture that we want to this conversation. Well, I'm here to add texture. <laughs> just, so does that then I do... I love a fuzzy combo. Jenny, Gemma, I know... Jenny, who's that? Gemma, <laughs> I... Jenny, the ghost that does yeah, my dishes. The ghost that does your dishes. You did, you did, um, you did a lot don't of research. Don't name it, don't name it, because then they'll manifest it. Don't do that. Oh, shit. I, Good the call. The candles haven't gone out. <laughs> yeah, but the candle draws them in. That's the whole point. The candle Wait. draws it... Yeah. You have a candle in the seance because it draws the spirit towards you. I thought it protects the light in the dark. This, she just no, did this. No, no. She's the one who can tell you. She just did all this. Yep. She just yep. broke the rules. So what you're saying is my dish you ghost is ma- going to come named, in. You, yeah, you named it. Oh, my God. I, I can't even. You, you guys. brought light to its life. So therefore, you're <laughs> manifesting it. Now, I, I wanted to make sure that, Gemma, we honored the research that you did for this. So oh do you God. have do you have additional vital information that you would like to share for context for what we're so talking about? I have fun about? facts. I okay. have fun facts. Yeah, the fun we'll we'll enter into a fun facts portion. This is the fun facts section <laughs> of, the, of the podcast. So I've sort of like touched on a few things. First of all, uh, one of them being that Robin Tooney was nearly bald when they began filming the craft uh-huh, and she uh-huh. had to wear a wig during her screen test. Uh-huh. Um so then also Feruza Bulk knew a lot about the topic of witchcraft before mm-hmm. um, and she was like super inter- interested in paganism and also I think that was like one of the defining factors that helped them decide. I think it was because she was talking a lot about that in such a like knowledgeable wow. way. Like you were talking about earlier, um, Jordan, about the, um, oh, what was it? Oh, about the the language that they use, like they're ordering a, a pumpkin spice latte yeah, yeah. at the local Starbucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we'll just get together and call the corners if you ever want to hang out yeah. sometime. Yeah. So it made it like colloquial. Yeah. Um, and so then that was the thing uh, that made her the shining star. Also, oh my God, cool story. Um, <laughs> other actresses that went up for this okay, were actually yeah. Ang- Angelina Jolie, oh Alicia Silverstone, uh, Rachel True, um, Rachel True's Rachel True's in it. In Rachel True's in it, but then who was it? Um, the character of Rochelle was rewritten when True was cast to be black, incorporating racism subplot as the character's major conflict. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it wasn't necessarily a thing that was actually in the script to start with. And Robin Tooney was also initially cast in the role of Bonnie. 
And then oh, the I producers can... decided she'd be better as Sarah Bailey. In an alternate universe, I can very much see Robin Tooney as Bonnie. Like, there is that, like, inner pain that really... What was... Was Alicia Silverstone up for Nancy? Or was she up for Sarah? It doesn't say what they were up for. I'm guessing Ange- Angelina Jolie was definitely Nancy. Had to be Nancy. Had to if be There's Nancy. no other option. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they were like, let's go with Dorothy Gale from Return to Us. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, like, one of the best films ever ever agreed <laughs> so many times Gemma that so I, it's good. one of my favorite that head, that head scene where they all scream and she runs out I just want that I feel like that's also like a imagine running out of that into the world and you're like I can do anything now. <laughs> so terrifying if you can get through Mobby's house of heads yeah yeah, <laughs> it was so. I think it was so beautiful that I kind of was obsessed with that moment that's like one of the only moments I remember and then the little golden sort of r2d2 character um (laughs) cool (laughs) then the other thing is that all the snakes and bugs in the whole film were real so that bit at the end the two there was all those snakes there was two thousand snakes at sarah's house and all of those bugs were real at the end oh my god the logistics of that and just the how do you collect how do you collect them and then count them and then be like one's missing like (laughs) and then tell the person which you've hired the house from that one of the snakes is missing if you find it please can you return it (laughs) like lost property at the end of like filming on location like that's just not i don't think they paid that that location enough no, there's no, I mean, you practically would have had to have just demolished that house at the end of it and built up again. <laughs> yeah, just set it on fire. Yeah. Set it on fire. I don't want it anymore. Like, yeah, the snakes will get out. The bugs will leave. But this must be turned to ashes. Um. Oh, I found. So this is like, I don't know. I feel like this is a thing that people say on every horror set. But creepy things apparently did happen. Okay, good. On this. So this, the key ritual scenes. Um, so members of the crew and some of the actors have said that during the ritual scene on the beach, some strange things started to happen. So Bulk apparently heard from a witch that the beach didn't like pagan ceremonies. So she got sick actually before filming. And when they came back to the beach to shoot the scene, the lights went out and the altar was washed away. So they say it was like strange because they couldn't get into it and like every time that they tried to do something the the waves the, the they didn't like time it in time with the like the maritime sea movement right so like the, t- the tide the tide that's it <laughs> <laughs> the maritime sea. so yeah so it was like this earthy thing that kept happening and they couldn't control oh it oh my god but I feel like you do have, you know that. Like, you know the tides, right? I feel like everyone no, knows No, there's the a really fucking concise schedule for when the tides are going to go in and out that you can access. So those are my fun facts. Um, Thank you. And I, I just went into the whole history of witches, which I won't go into because that's uh, that's basically a book that I will be reading. <laughs> got it, got it. it. But yeah. But yeah, mm-hmm. thank, I, I do appreciate, thank you for your fun facts and your research coming into this. You're and do we yeah welcome sam do we do you have any addendums that you would like to put on um only that i'm looking forward to the episode where we just have you tell us the history of witches yeah. in just like a follow-up <laughs> pot like its own half an hour i will just listen Bon, yeah <laughs> I, bonus episode just i just want to be here listening to you i want to hear it all so well, i think the craft no, no, plays in massively into it because 
especially like that 90s grunge was like such a resurgent of that Mm -hmm. because before that I couldn't really find much apart from you know the 70s maybe Mm -hmm. and or like the 60s and 70s it was kind of very big at the time yeah but then but then the craft there's a lot of stuff out there which sort of talks about how it celebrates the unconventional girl and Mm -hmm. and how that allowed for other people to actually learn a little bit more about this earth-based pagan witchcraft as you were saying jordan that's actual like people dedicate their lives to yes Mm. yeah that is that is a way of life now do we i do we feel like we have arrived to comfortably exit from from this episode of odds Tyrion with our sign-offs I never want to end talking with the two of you, right, so right, yeah. it's just to be continued. But yeah, absolutely, to be this continued. is a fantastic yeah. dialogue about the craft. To be continued, uh, but for to now, uh, my name is Jordan Cruciola, and you can find me on Twitter at Jorcru, J-O-R-C-R-U. And hey, if you got a couple dollars to kick over me, to kick over to me on Patreon, patreon.com slash Cruciola, and find my writings and, yes, podcastings. Sam? Uh, I'm at Sam Weinman, and uh, if you want to throw me a couple dollars, you can go to Jordan's um, Patreon and send them there. Yeah, <laughs> forward because her writing's fucking forward awesome. Forward dollars and, uh, to the Patreon. Yeah. And how about you, Gemma? What anything you want to promote? Where can we find you? Hi, well, I'm Gemma Moore, um, or Gemma underscore underscore more on Twitter and Gemma underscore more on Instagram. Um, and if you want to send me some money, <laughs> send it to, we call it Patreon. So Patreon. Oh yeah, you're right. And I, Jordan. I, it's Not just random mind. Patreon, but to Jordan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And also just give like five stars or, and reviews, rate, review, subscribe, please. Yeah. Um, and share, share, share around. Thank you. Yes. Like, That's, subscribe, and share. And if you just love like, listening to Gemma, go check out the Hobbycast. <laughs> it's just me talking about hobbies. Yeah, I was gonna say yes. uh, you have a podcast of your own that 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 the people can know about. Yeah, the hobby at the Hobbycast. Um, it is just finishing our second season, um, and yeah, we just talk about any, anything from hobbies from Quidditch to Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> and all sorts. Quidditch is you can't fly, which is <laughs> broke my heart. <laughs> but there is, there is a man that runs around, um, not a man, well anyone that runs around, but specifically in this in this episode with a sock and a tennis ball in the sock, and he and they are the snitch, and they run around, and that's what the snitch is. Wow. And it can last for hours. So if you're feeling really fit and want to run around and chase someone with a sock down their trousers, then by all means, go and explore that. And that's the snitch. Well, (laughs) that is very educational. And um, Gemma, thank you again so much for coming on. Thank you, guys. Oh, my God. It's been amazing. And when are we going to have a sleepover? Yeah. I can fly over and it's not. It's um, I don't have to go to be on my Wait, own. You're giving a lot of conditions days. right now, Gemma. Yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna like. I we we can find a way to make this work electronically. We just we light a candle and put it on Zoom, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, cool. I'll just I'll just like if you just say my name three times, I'll just like manifest. <laughs> that I will do. I will say that in the mirror. 
And yeah. make sure, make sure, uh, in addition to listening to the Hobbycast, make sure you do go watch um, Host on Shutter because it's legitimately one of the best movies that's come out this year. Um, and again, it's a nice, tight little hour, and it will freak you the fuck out. Uh, in, Coming to cinemas in America as well. Thanks in no small part to uh, Gemma's performance in it. So... Thank you, Gemma. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you. And, uh, you know, we will, of course, see you again soon on the next episode of Ots Tyrion. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>